With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome into Airing It Out, Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Somber, and I'm joined, as always, by Parth Upadhyay. Parth, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Excited for, for the game this Saturday, Penn State against Iowa. We'll see if the Nittany Lions can get win number one of the year. But I got to tell you, man, it's getting harder and harder to watch. I'm yeah, gonna... yeah. Saturday, like for a while, felt like it might be inching toward rock bottom. Uh, Penn State salvaged it a little bit. Uh, of course, talking about Penn State's 30-23 to 23 loss to Nebraska. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying only one person on the staff picked Nebraska to win. And I just happened to pick them to win by seven. You know, clearly, clearly know what we're talking about here, <laughs> but, but, but no, Nebraska was like point blank. They're not a good team. Like they were winless coming in for a reason. They lost to Northwestern who is good and Ohio state who is good, but they got blown out by those teams. Um, and, and they, they never really were able to gen- generate anything offensively. They come out against Penn state and they rolled through that defense. And, and I know they made the switch to Luke McCaffrey quarterback and, and everything, but still like you cannot let that happen against that bad of an offense. And, and, and the big storyline coming from the game, of course, Sean Clifford gets benched in the second quarter for Will Levis uh, after his second turnover early in the game, inexcusable. It's a theme though, at this point, like it's just, it, it is just a theme of the season and, and, you know, honestly, a decision that I think was uh, a long time coming uh, and one that probably should have been made sooner. That was his eighth turnover, you know. Um, we were talking about it last week about just him in the offense entirely as, as a unit, but him leading the, the charge on that, you know, Penn State shooting itself in the foot, you know. And a large part of that is Sean Clifford's interceptions, you know, Sean Clifford's fumble that was returned for a touchdown against Maryland. You know, it happened again against Nebraska. You know, against Nebraska, it added up, right? Like the, the first drive he – he misses a wide open, wide open Jahan Dotson. Um, I think Nebraska's, uh, you know, cornerback Cam Taylor Britt, you know, runs it, runs it back 55 yards, right, to the Penn State 15. And, yeah, they, they hold their own. They don't get this, this touchdown. But, you know, Nebraska got on the board again. And then you saw the fumble in the early second quarter. And by the time that one was returned for a touchdown, it was it was 24-3, to 3, I believe. And that's when they made the switch to Levis. But they were already in, a, you know, a pretty significant hole there you knew the you knew the switch was coming sort of at that point too like you could sort of see it once 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 uh, clifford fumbled and uh you saw uh you know nebraska heading the other way with with yet another touchdown and and yet another penn state turnover it was going to be really difficult to justify going back to sean clifford to anyone um you know especially in an own 3 team that had shown nothing offensively up until that, you know, up until that point throughout the season and a, a team that was kind of begging for a change offensively. You know, they just, they weren't good. They just weren't any good offensively leading up to that point. Yeah, um, they're punches, though, I would say, you know, like against Indiana, when they, when they kind of rallied at the end there, you know, Sean Clifford hits, I think Jahan Dotson for a 60 yard score. Yeah. Uh, something like that. You know, that was, that was a, that was a key moment. And they had, you know, the touchdown in, in overtime against Indiana, but like you said, if you're talking about putting drives together consistently, putting decent drives together consistently, where you're moving the ball and, 
and holding on to it for a significant amount of time. That just hadn't happened. No. And and that's the Kirk Sharaka offense is is controlling the ball with the running game. It's what he did at Minnesota, and it's taking shots on big plays. They were hitting sometimes on those big plays. Now Clifford was missing too many of those. I, I specifically remember against Nebraska. I don't remember at what point there wasn't honestly a lot of drives to choose from with Clifford in the game, uh, but where they had the ball in the red zone. Uh, Brenton Strange was wide open in the corner of the end zone and Clifford yes. threw it 40 rows into the seats. Like it, it was tough to see from the broadcast like that. He was that wide open, but you know, we saw uh, Greg Pickle from Penn live tweeted that who, who was at the game that, that, that he was wide open in the corner. Then we see the replay and Strange is standing there with no one near him. Like you don't even have to make a great throw there and you score a touchdown. Yeah, right corner. Uh, yeah, he's, he's there. He's, he's there through most of the play actually. And you, you watch it on TV and it's like, how do you miss that? You know, it's just like missing dots in the, in the first drive in the game. Some of these become unexcusable, you know, when you're a second year starter and you have expectations placed on you. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things like, when your confidence is gone, you're going to panic more. And it looked like he panicked and he just got rid of the ball because he felt like he was holding it for too long. Um, which is not yeah, you're which right. is not what we saw out of Will Levis when he came into the game. Of course, that change gets made. I don't want to pile on Sean Clifford. He is, you know what I mean? He's he's trying to play well, but when your confidence is shot, yeah. it's really hard. Like, you know, some of it's not on him. Uh, you know, the the poor protection at times are the, is the reason his confidence is so low. Like, it's the reason that he was struggling. Um, you know, it's not on the wideouts this year, but like there were, you know, they, they struggled as a whole offensively. He was just sort of the key that linked it all together in their struggles, why it was happening so consistently. You just, and once his, like I said, once his confidence is shot, you got to move on. You can't, you can't sort of keep running that guy out there for your sake and his sake. Um, but then they make the change to Will Levis and he gives the offense some life. Now that didn't happen through the rest of the first half. You know, they, they have the long drive, then they, they fail to punch it in in the red zone again as they have seemingly failed to do all year uh, and failed five times to do against Nebraska. They were in the red zone six times, scored one touchdown. I believe they had two field goals, maybe three field goals in the red zone. Uh, and look at the end, the two drives at the end from, I think, Nebraska's 13 the first time and Nebraska's 11, I believe, the second time, or, or yep. vice versa. Those were tough to watch, man. You know, like – it, it felt like they never had a chance. It felt like as soon, like every exactly. time they snapped a ball, that it was like they're not scoring. They're literally too close to score. They need the big plays to score, which is, is a, an indictment on a lot of things. Uh, mainly for, for, from my perspective, it was an indictment on the play calling. Um, Will Levis, credit to him, took a lot of the blame for the accuracy on those fade routes. But you should not be throwing a ball that, one, your quarterback isn't in a position to throw yet in his career. It's his, you know, second meaningful action. Uh, I'm not counting Rutgers last year because, well, who would, uh, you know. Yeah, he, you weren't trying to let him throw against Rutgers yeah, last year. Yeah, <laughs> like he played against Ohio State last year when he tried to come back, when they tried to come back, when Clifford was hurt. Uh, and he and he was playing uh, Saturday. And he's not, like, he's just not accurate enough, accurate enough to make those throws. And neither is Sean Clifford, quite frankly. So I don't know why those slot fades, those those normal fades from the outside are in the playbook right now. Uh, Franklin talked about, you know, you talk about just Levis's accuracy in terms of uh, in short range situations versus his big playability. You know, Franklin touched on that today in his, in his Zoom conference, uh, kind of saying that, you know, Levis is a guy that, you know, can definitely air it out. He has a he has a rocket. You know, you saw it when he hit Pat Firemuth on a 74-yard bomb. Off balance, mind you, going the wrong way. Like that was a he won't get out of the pressure and then just yes. eyes downfield the whole time. Beautiful pass. Oh my goodness. But you know, when he's in the red zone, he doesn't have that touch. You know, he's trying to he's trying to throw darts, he's trying to throw, you know, these rockets, and you you, you gotta put a little bit of touch on that ball. Yeah, without a doubt. And and we should add Penn State has not named a starter against Iowa. Right. Um, I think it would be 
pretty crazy. Just, you know, there's no reporting into this, but I think it would be pretty crazy to go back to Sean Clifford, uh, considering, right? Like, you know, you said you can't justify, you can't justify it to the team too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now that you can't justify Clifford coming back as the starter for the season, in my opinion. And I think you would agree. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and I, I think that's, you know, I, I, if I had to take a guess, we'll see Will Levis on Saturday, but that hasn't been determined by Penn State yet. At the end of the day, it comes down to James Franklin, Kirk Sharaka, and that offensive staff making that call. So we'll see what decision they make. Um, you I think how, how Franklin kind of talked about it, though. It was kind of interesting, right? Like he said that he said a lot about depth charts. And he talked about, you know, nowadays opponents don't even release depth charts, some of them. So I think it was, it was a lot of, uh, you know, gamesmanship. I saw Audrey Snyder from The Athletic, you know, kind of make that observation and, and tweet it out. But yeah, I, I agree. It's like, uh, seems more strategy than anything else. The decision isn't hard. You're going to go with Will Levis, if, you know, unless unless they don't. And then they'll, they'll have a lot of explaining to do, I feel like. Yeah, I think if they, if they go with Sean Clifford, they are, like, there is going to be an uproar, quite frankly. And honestly, I understand the, the gamesmanship, but like, does Iowa really believe that it's not going to be Levis? You know, like, like, what 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 did you see Nebraska against Nebraska and, and in the first three games that would make you think that Sean Clifford's going to be the quarterback on Saturday? Point. Yes, at this point. Uh, yeah. But but sort of to go back to the red zone real quick, those those play calls, those slot fades, they're just not throws that Levis can make or or like I said, Clifford can make. I don't know why they're calling them. Uh, you know, you're better off running slants. You're better off giving your quarterback multiple options or rolling them out and getting them on the edge and doing work that way. Um, but but making him throw these timing throws that have to be accurate and that your wide receivers, part of the the thought process. And James Franklin said this after the game, uh, he didn't say it specifically about fades, but he said it in general is you got to put balls in spots where a guy can either go get it or draw a pass interference. Well, you're not drawing a pass interference when the guy, when the throw isn't going in a spot where, where uh, it, it would happen, you know, when you're not, and you're not drawing pass interference when, when quite frankly, pass interference isn't, going to get called in those situations because both guys are hand fighting. So you're putting Levis in a tough spot. You're putting the wide out in the tough spot. You're putting the onus on, on, you know, guys that like two guys basically out of 11 on every play when quite frankly, you need, you need to give a guy like Levis options in the red zone. Uh, you need to give a young guy like that plenty of options. And like you said, I understand the Levis doesn't take touch off his throws point blank. He throws everything like a fastball, whether like that helps with the deep ball. It occasionally helps in the immediate intermediate routes, but is it a detriment on the short routes? Like you've got to know when, when to take velocity off and when to, when to sort of loft passes. Um, That's why like, I don't want to say arm strength is overrated because it's not, but like, it's more important for a guy to be able to throw with, with touch and anticipation and timing uh, and to sort of know where his guys are going to be and, and work through a progression. Like those things are more important than just having a rocket arm because having a rocket arm isn't going to help you when, when you need to gain seven yards, quite frankly, uh, unless you have 70 yards to work with and you get them that way. Um, but yeah, like Levis, you know, Levis I think is probably a better answer than Clifford. It, it would be hard to argue that he isn't. But yeah, and I think I, I would add that even if you know, let, let's say, you know, in a larger sample size, right? Let, let's just let's just pretend you can make an argument that Levis has less skill than Sean Clifford. If that is the argument, it doesn't matter right now because, like you like you mentioned earlier, Sean Clifford's confidence is kind of low. It seems like right now, and it's and it becomes a mental game more than a physical game at some point. You know, when you're making these errors again and again and again, um, and Levis just seems to be, you know, he's calm, he's collected. Um, just the way he carried himself in, in, in crucial situations on Saturday, I think demonstrates that he needs to be the guy and he's there mentally right now. Whereas Sean Clifford is not. 
Yeah, and I think something you said earlier is, is a key point for me. Uh, talking about that Pat Fryermuth throw where uh, Levis kept his eyes downfield. How many times have we said that about Sean Clifford this season? <laughs> it's just not something that he's done. You know, he's when he feels pressure, sees pressure, thinks there's pressure, eyes go down, he's looking to run. Will Levis was keeping his eyes downfield. He was trying to make plays in the passing game and then taking off when he needed to. Um, and as a runner, he's sort of like he's not as fast as Sean Clifford, but he's a tank. Like he's Will Levis is a massive human being. And if he's coming full speed at defenders, he's much more intimidating than Sean Clifford. And quite frankly, he will take a bunch of hits too, because he's basically built like a tight end. Um, he's a power back in a, in a quarterback's body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he, uh, so like, while he may not, you know, get you as many 65 yard runs as Sean Clifford potentially could because of his long speed. Will Levis, I think is more prone to getting you five, five to seven yards on a scramble than Clifford was, whereas, or, or three to four yards when Clifford would get one to two or zero to one or whatever it may be. Um, but like I said, the, the keeping the eyes down the field is so crucial. Like if you're, if you're trying to throw the ball, you need to keep your eyes downfield to open up the passing game to then also help with the running game. Um, you know, the, the running game looked at its best Saturday. Like this is, I think this is yep. probably the best we've seen it all year. And I think that's not a coincidence. Uh, it has a lot to do with Will Levis um, and how he played. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 245 rushing yards is nothing to scoff at. Yes. Nebraska has given up plenty of rushing yards this year, but as I talked about in the key matchup going into the game, a lot of that against Ohio state was on a lot of carries and a lot of that against Northwestern was on one big run. So like being able to run the ball this well, I think was important. Yeah, and consistently, right? Like you saw Devin Ford, he finished with, I think, 66 yards on 16 carries. That was that was one of his best outings of the season. You know, he was – he was, I, w- I don't want to say he was struggling because he, he wasn't – He wasn't so- getting the touches, quite frankly, to yeah, get in the rhythm. He wasn't, getting the, he wasn't getting the opportunities, you know. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's also what it was. And a running back needs to get in a rhythm too. Like it's really hard to – uh, get to, you know, four yards a carry when you only have six carries, if four of them go bad, you know, you need the opportunity to excel. Uh, Cause I homes, four carries, 50 yards, Kevon Lee, eight carries, 49 yards and a touchdown, including a 31 yard touchdown where there was nobody in sight. Uh, he broke a tackle in the backfield. Admittedly. Yeah. He, he had a, he had an arm tackle. Someone tried an arm tackle on him. He ran right through it and then untouched from there. Uh, but still, you got to break that arm tackle. You got to get there. You got to see that hole. You can't run into your lineman. You can't try and bounce it outside. Um, so good running all around, quite frankly. Uh, you know, Will Levis, you know, took some sacks. But again, he's falling forward on rushes. It's not something Sean Clifford was doing. Uh, and and do I honestly do I think in the aggregate that Will Levis is a better quarterback than Sean Clifford? No, it's debatable. Do, do I think Will Levis is better for this team right now? Without a doubt. Um, you know, it's like you like you said, it's the confidence. It's it's you got to have a guy who feels like he can get the job done and looks like he can get the job done, um, rather than displaying sort of the attributes of someone who, who doesn't not he he looks prepared, but he doesn't look he's like he's he's he's, he's ready not, to get hit. Right. Like, he's not ready to to be he be in the game and and be the leader of the team. And you know, I have no doubts that Sean Clifford is a leader of this team and a leader in the locker room, and a bunch of guys probably love him. Uh, you know, and he's he's taken a ton of hits for the team over the last two years and deserves all the credit in the world for that, for, you know, gutting through it. And and honestly, like trying, continuing to go out there and taking those hits, even if his confidence may have been low, like it's it's really hard to get back up and go out there. But he did it time and time again. Uh, and he was Levis's biggest cheerleader. He was talking to him on the sideline, trying to keep him in, in the game. So all the credit to Sean Clifford. But at the end of the day, he's not he's not the right guy. I don't think at quarterback for Penn State right now. You have to go with Levis going forward. I think if you're Penn State, the only change you can make 
is to to Quan Roberson, and that's it. Like I, I don't think you can go back to Sean Clifford. I was surprised um, we said that earlier. We, you know, we were talking about that before we started recording, and you mentioned Taquan Roberson. You know, Taquan's not a guy that we as as media, you know, really know much about, like we do of Levis, like we do with Clifford. Um, yeah, I I feel like I'd be shocked personally to see Taquan Roberson out there unless things just go super poorly with Levis. You know, so that change. So to me, and I walk everyone through sort of through the thought process on this, because I get that like that, you know what I mean? What you're saying makes makes sense. Like, you know, why go to Levis or why go to Roberson if it took you this long to go to Levis? And, and why not give Levis the right. same leash you gave Clifford? Um, I my argument would be, OK, you've you've decided that the guy you thought is a starting quarterback is no longer a starting quarterback. So now you kind of have to move forward and find out who is the starting quarterback. You know, maybe maybe that is uh, Will Levis. But if you can determine pretty quickly that it's not, you've got another option to try and find out if he is that guy in Roberson. Uh, so you you should probably get Roberson some snaps this year too, because I think moving forward, I mean, the season's a wash. They're 0-4. They're highly unlikely to make a bowl game because there have been bowl games dropped by the Big Ten that aren't happening for these lower-level bowls. Uh, like, you've just got to see what you've got for the future. And if Will Levis isn't playing well at any point, then okay, give Roberson a go. Like, give him, give him a shot. And, and the other thing is, you're right. We, we haven't seen much of him. Uh, you know, I will say that like, it's something I, I said when I, I think I tweeted about this, I want to say during like uh, the, maybe it was the the Maryland game that, that they, they need to go to Will Levis or even take one Roberson at some point, because like, you just, you, you have to know, like you have to take the time to find out. Um, and with you know, Roberson. Find out, like you said, the season's a, a technically a wash, you know, they're owing for Pat Firemuth when he spoke to us on uh, Tuesday or er, or no, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking here. It was af- after the game. When he spoke to us after yeah. the game, you know, he talked about um, just still wanting, still having that desire, obviously, to go out and compete every game and, and trying to come up with a winning record because, you know, in, in his words, uh, you know, losing record was, you know, wasn't acceptable at Penn State. And, you know, I, I get that. But, you know, I think they're they're one loss away from kind of losing guys mentally. You know, you see opt-outs across the country. And, you know, guys may not opt out, but it, it's hard to stay in a season, you know, a, a nine-game season at that when you've already lost five in a row. And yeah, that would be the worst start in program history, standalone. Right now they're tied with, you know, 2001's uh, 0-4 start. but Which nearly know, nearly won out, mind you. Like they that team nearly won out, and there's an argument that they should have won out uh, given the way the season went. Uh, now they also made a quarterback, quarterback change in 2001. So there are similarities, but, you know, just to sort of round off the point with, with Roberson uh, in high school, he was a guy that had anticipation and timing with his throws. Now that is high school football, in New Jersey. It is not big 10 football, uh, but he displayed some tools to make you think he can be a starter in, uh, in the big 10 and, and at Penn state, quite frankly, because otherwise you don't take him on scholarship. Um, now I'm not at practice. I don't see what's going on. You're not at practice. You don't see what's going on. We just don't, especially this year, we haven't been there at all. Um, so we don't know. Yeah. I mean, to, to your point, he was a four-star guy. He was a top 300 guy, um, you know, by, by some services, at least by some recruiting services. Yeah. I mean, he's here for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you have to see what you have because the problem is, and, and so, um, the, so the idea, I guess, is you need to find out who your quarterback is next year. If it's not Levis, you need to find out if it's Roberson. If it's not Roberson, that's when things change. Like if, if you if you go into next year thinking it could be Roberson, then you're probably just rolling with Roberson, right? Like there's not a whole lot of reason to stray from that. Uh, that's the value in that. You're, you're talking about just kind of finding the guy before next season starts. Like, you know, you can experiment a little bit. If they're yeah. for not much to play for. You know, I know they won't 
you know, verbally admit that or. Yeah. No one's going to admit that at Penn state that there's nothing to play for, but like, come on. Like we, we all know the aspirations of this program, you know, like, like you said, there's there, they may not admit it, but I think we'll know when they're there. And the other option is if you can find out that Roberson isn't the guy, then because you're basically just looking for your starter next year, it doesn't matter down the road. Maybe that's that's Micah bones down the road. Right. Like then you hit the portal and you start recruiting that way because uh, it seems like we're going to get one-time transfers this year, which will uh, open up, not just the the graduate transfer rule. It's right. It completely changes college football. (laughs) And um, there, there are a lot of guys at a lot of smaller schools that would like an opportunity at a big school like Penn State to prove that they can do it and to prove that they can, uh, you know, be in the NFL and play in the NFL. Uh, you know, at that point you kind of you're kind of rolling the dice on a guy who who may have played, you know, in the MAC or the Sun Belt or whatever small conference and had success. Or, or even 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 the the American. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. you know, there there are conferences like that are just below, or or maybe it's it's someone at like a you know, a smaller power five school that wants to get into the spotlight that is like killed at a power five school. I'm not going to throw out any names. It's un- totally unfair to speculate to kids that one may not even be considering that two. We have no information on and three, like, like it are in the middle of a season with a team. Like, I'm just not going to do that, but there are quarterbacks out there that are good enough to start at Penn state next year and are probably better than what Penn state has. So if like, ACC, like a smaller ACC programs or, you know, whatever the case right. may be, exactly. you could look across the country. There are good quarterbacks. Uh, and, you know, for instance, look at BYU, Zach Wilson, who's probably entering the NFL draft because he's been that good this year. Like those guys exist at smaller schools. He wasn't that until this year, you know, he blew up this year at BYU and, and kudos to him for sticking out, but he's been awesome. You know, there are a lot of good quarterbacks, uh, especially good college quarterbacks. It doesn't even have to be a guy who can make it to the NFL. Uh, my point is, like, you need to know if Levis is the guy, if Levis is not the guy. You need to know if Roberson's the guy. If Roberson's not the guy, you need to find someone who is the guy next year because I would bet quite a bit of money that Micah Bones isn't going to be ready next year. He had some issues with his throwing motion. Could have some upside down the line if they could work that out because he's a really good athlete. And Christian Veyu, as a true freshman, like – throwing that kid into the fire as a starter would probably do more harm than good for his long-term outlook uh, th- than anything long-term. I think he can be really, really good. And I think he'd be a really good quarterback. He's supposed to be a stud, right? Yeah. I mean, based he, on what everybody's saying and based on what I'm reading, at least he's, he's, a, he's, he's a star kid, I believe in, in you know, two, four, seven sports. Yeah. He, he's had some accuracy issues from the limited, again, you're, you're watching these kids huddle. So some of it's highlights, some of it's game film. Uh, you know, you, it's, sometimes kids will only put the highlights up as for good reason, you know, to, to showcase what they can do. But with, with Veyu, you see, you see a lot of arm talent. You see a kid who can make a bunch of throws. You also see some accuracy issues, which would need ironed out and would kind of eliminate him from being a freshman starter. Uh, right. So yeah, like, like I said, you've, you've got a sort of, you've got to open the door to the portal. Like you've, you've got to make that an option because once you make that an option, you're sort of saying, okay, the guys we've got right now aren't good enough to start next season. Like we, cause Penn state, that's the thing. Penn state cannot afford to have another bad year. Like they cannot afford six and six, seven and five next year. Games either. They can't afford to go into next season without knowing what they have right. for sure. And if they do that, they're risking, you know, maybe going 0 and 3, or maybe, you know, even if they go 1 and 2, they can't afford that either. You know, for this season, they, their their leash is is short, so to speak, with the fan base. Yeah, and and quite frankly, as it should be, because like you you're given an opportunity right now to uh, to sort of figure it out. Like you have the ultimate chance to figure out who your quarterback is and to sort of give it a go next year. Uh, and here's the thing: like you need a good quarterback next year because if as assuming things stay the same and the world returns to some level of normalcy, which spoiler alert, I'm not a doctor or an epidemiologist. Yeah, so right. I have no idea. Uh, speculation, 
They opened the season on the road in Madison, September 4th at Wisconsin. They get Ball State the week after that, which is fine. And then they get Auburn at Beaver Stadium. Like, this is not an easy start to the schedule. They need to know who the starting quarterback is for those three games because if they don't, they will go one and two. It's not they might go one and two. They will go one and two because Wisconsin is in all likelihood going to have Graham Mertz back next year who is proving that he's a – yeah, he's a, he's a clear stud at quarterback. Like Wisconsin is always good, and they're mixing in that quarterback with another year of experience. I know this is a long way down the road, but like it's why you need to know who your quarterback is. And if you don't, like, good you know, luck. Auburn's going to be good. You know, Auburn's going to be. Yeah, Auburn is Auburn. Like that top fifteen, top twenty, at least. Yeah. Whatever happens with Gus Malzahn, whether he's there or not next year, and I'm again no reporting here, but he always seems to be on the hot seat. Uh, you know, whoever's at Auburn next year, like that's going to be a good team. It's an SEC school that you need to be ready for in your third game. Of course, they get Villanova after that, but then then right back at it, you go to Iowa. So like three of your first games are really really difficult opponents. You have the benefit of playing Auburn at home, but the other two are on the road. It's two of the the two worst teams you would want to play if you're Penn State on the road. Uh, I'm not like I'm not saying next year is going to be as bad as this year or even a down year, but if you don't know who your quarterback is, you're begging to repeat the same mistakes you made this year. Well, are, are you are you willing to bet that? And I think I know the answer. You know, based on what we've talked about before the podcast and just in general, are you willing to bet that Sean Clifford has taken his last snap as a Nittany Lion? It's so it's so hard to again. And there's I want to be clear. I'm not reporting anything here. It to me it seems it seems really difficult for. A, a guy to come back. I assume Sean Clifford wants to play football. Basically is what I'm saying. Uh, and if he wants to it, you know, whether that's at Penn state or not, like it's like, if he's not starting, I, I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to transfer. Like if he, if he knows he's not going to start next year, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to do that. I would, if I were him, I would want to play football too. And like, now it's, it's let's, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, if, if he can have some miraculous off season, you know, where he can sort of, put it together and fix things. And maybe he turns it around again, then who knows, maybe it can turn back. It's just, it's really hard to see a route where when a kid gets benched for his performance, sort of circling back to him later. Um, you know, I, I don't know point blank if he's played his last snap at Penn state. Uh, but I, I, it, it is really difficult to see Penn state going back to him at any point as a starter uh, with, 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 with the way his, his I guess his, Rain as a starter is probably going to end again. They won't name a starter probably until we see someone trotting out of the tunnel against Iowa. I was gonna say, Franklin made that comment today where he was like, You know, we, we give you all information, but it has to be a little bit at a time. And he also mentioned with these things, whether it's an injury or you know, a guy getting benched, like we might see with Clifford, he said, With these things, he only mentions them if they're a obvious or b season ending or career ending, like he has so far with, with Noah Kane's season ending injury and then Journey Brown's uh you know, career ending injury, unfortunately, but yeah, I don't think I, I'd be surprised if, if we hear something tomorrow when, when Franklin speaks after practice, I'll say that. Yeah. And mind you, we are recording Tuesday, Tuesday evening, uh, just for the listeners. So, so, you know what, what we mean by tomorrow there. Uh, but, but yeah, like I, I think, yeah, I, I, it just, it's, it would be so surprising to go back to Clifford at this point to sort of circle back to the front end of this conversation. Uh, I, I think we'll probably see Will Levis, and I think it's the right decision for Penn State because they are facing an Iowa team that is good. Like this is they if if they want to get to one and four, they've got to be at their very best on Saturday. They're not walking, you know. This is a far better opponent than Nebraska, and they struggle with Nebraska, and they almost came back with Will Levis against Nebraska, but they didn't. Like that's the thing, and this that's a bad Nebraska team. 
like we got to see what Levis can do for a full game. You know, like, yeah, he had the adrenaline and that could have been a big part of it. Can he sustain that level of play, you know, for four quarters? And, you know, honestly, the, the level of play, it wasn't anything extravagant either. I, I thought, you know, it was more of a game management type scenario. Yeah, he was the, fine. And he was fine. Right. And the only kind of obvious benefit, I think, you know, of starting Levis over Clifford is the, is the game management components. The fact that he doesn't make bad decisions. It's the fact that he's not forcing things out there. He's keeping his eyes, you know, down the field and he's making smart passes. You know, he's not doing anything crazy. Yeah. And when he, when he's inaccurate, the inaccuracy doesn't kill them either. Like it's not, you know, that, that you mentioned the pick to Jahan Dotson earlier, Clifford's first pick that, I mean, it's one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Dotson (laughs) was wide open on a comeback route. Uh, and, and I mean, he, he threw the ball right to him. You know what I mean? Uh, like he threw the ball right to Nebraska, basically. Uh, yeah. and, and it was a sign again of like Clifford. I think Clifford would probably say this too, that he's better than that. He makes, he can make better throws than that. But when your confidence is that bad, it's really hard to like feel comfortable throwing the football. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to put it in Clifford's perspective, it's, it's gotta be tough. You know, like there's, there's people dragging him on, on Twitter, people dragging him on, on Instagram. You know, in fact, I think, um, I, I saw somewhere, I saw on his profile, actually, that he, he disabled his comments, you know, on, on his most recent, you know, handful of uh, Instagram posts. Like, it's got to be tough getting all that scrutiny when you're walking around campus and kind of feeling that, well, nobody's saying anything verbally, obviously, but just, just knowing how people feel, you know, yeah, uh, and having all these fingers pointed at you when, yes, yeah, some of it is his fault. You know, he's had eight turnovers, you know, uh, six interceptions, two fumbles, both returned for touchdowns, but some of it's just the component of the team, the O-line not being fantastic um, and just kind of the, the wrath that COVID's had on, on their preparation, I think. Yeah. And, and this is a nice, wonderful chance to remind people, not only don't tweet at these guys with your vitriol and stuff like that. Don't tweet at recruits. Don't like leave them alone. They're like, this is like you said, this has been stressful enough for Sean Clifford. The last thing he needs is people, you know, going the cyberbullying route because he wasn't great in a football game. Uh, I think it's, that's over the top point blank. These are, uh, these are kids. These yeah, are he's, kids. he's a kid. Like he's 22, I believe. Like just leave him alone. Well, I'm like, 23, but you know what I mean by kid. Yeah, right. Right. Well, like, I mean, I saw like I'm much older. I'm 25, but like still he's, He's, he is a kid. Like he should be left alone. He should, you know, there's no need to attack him for his performance in a football game when it's not like he's trying to lose. Like he is trying to win football games. He just hasn't been good enough of late. And like, it, sometimes it happens like, uh, but you know, that I think that's a good place to pivot to Iowa and, and what we're expecting there, because this is uh, an Iowa team. Like, like I said, who is a good football team. Uh, they, they are the the best wet team from the West uh, that, that Penn State's going to play this year. Um, they, you know, handled Minnesota about as handily as you can a team uh, last week. Minnesota, that was a 35-7 to 7 game where it felt like Minnesota never had a chance. Like, it, it felt like Iowa was in complete control the entire time, so much so that they threw the ball 18 times. And in college football and football in general nowadays, that's pretty crazy. Prior to that, they beat Michigan State 49-7. to And then the first two games of the year, a tough 24-20 loss to a, a Purdue team that has a really good offense and a tough 21-20 loss to a Northwestern team that I believe is still undefeated. So uh, competitive against good teams, destroying bad teams. And usually that would mean that this would be a competitive game because it's competitive team against competitive team. Well, this year it is a competitive team in Iowa against a bad team. And if they're destroying bad teams, there's a chance that this turns into a blowout Saturday. Well, you mentioned usually, you know, you said it'd be a competitive game and they have been, but I think usually when you're, you know, if you're a Penn State fan or if you're us in the media, you look at that game on your schedule, on Penn State schedule rather, and you say that's, 
it's gonna be a close one, but it's gonna be a Penn State win just because history has suggested it, right? Like uh, James Franklin has not lost to Iowa, you know, has not lost to the Hawkeyes in his in his seven year tenure. Um, granted, they've only played four times, but Penn State's also won, you know, the last six dating back to to Bill O'Brien. Um, so you just look at that game, like yeah, Penn State's always gonna have the upper hand in that matchup for some odd reason. Yeah, and, and uh, the problem is that isn't gonna be the case. <laughs> like it is, no, there is there. Yeah, there is no aspect of the game where it feels like Penn State has a concrete advantage over Iowa. Uh, and it feels like this is an Iowa team that's going to go into Happy Valley uh, with no with a limited crowd, you know, parents of players and, and staff and whatnot uh, in, in, in the stands and probably going to win and, and has a chance to win running away. And I think that is like it's not rock bottom for Penn State because like losing to a good Iowa team isn't nearly as frustrating as losing to a, a bad Nebraska team or a, a mediocre Maryland team. Uh, at this point of the year, I don't think it's fair to expect Penn State to win this game, uh, quite frankly, given how they played. Um, if you're a Penn State fan, you probably want to see them com- say, see them be more competitive. You want to see Will Levis do something. Uh, you want to see the offense show signs of life. You want to see the defense like not give up 20 points to open the game and put your your offense in a hole that quickly. Yeah, we uh, even that. I was, I was going to mention that we haven't we haven't kind of got into that. Like the offense gets somewhat of an excuse, right? You've got a first year coordinator trying to implement a new scheme in a, in a wacky, weird, you know, extended offseason. As weird as could be. Right. And then Brent Pry, you know, a guy who's been there, a guy who's been with Franklin, um, has that chemistry with the, you know, team's personnel already. Just the way they've struggled, it's been bizarre, you know. Yet again, you know, they were gashed for a big play, you know, when they when they played Nebraska. I think um, Xavier Betts, you know, had that 45-yard jet sweep. That was the third play of that drive. It's, it's, it's crazy. They've been, they've been gashed time and time again against Maryland. I believe all five of Maryland's touchdowns were on plays of 34 yards or more. So every time Penn State's – not every time, but a large amount of the times Penn State's getting scored on, it's been, you know, on these kind of uh, head-scratching type uh, defensive mistakes, and it's, it's, it's strange. Yeah, it's and mistakes where it feels like the team's just kind of out of it. Like they're just – there's no discipline there, I guess. Mentally, uh, mentally the- yeah, and, and the bright side, I guess, for Penn State is that Spencer Petras, the Iowa quarterback, will throw them the ball on occasion. Uh, he's thrown four interceptions this season. Uh, he had three against Northwestern, one against Minnesota, but not the most accurate guy on the planet, big-arm kid who can who can make plays downfield. Um, and they have some weapons to get there. Tyrone Tracy and Amir Smith-Marset, both really good at wideout. Smith-Marset got suspended, I believe, for the Michigan State game after a driving while intoxicated charge. Uh, you know, but was back against Minnesota last week when they played Friday night. Uh, I would assume he will be playing, you know, this Saturday. Uh, but but like, so there are weapons that can beat Penn State down the field. And Amir Smith-Marset fits that kind of mood where you get him the ball on a jet sweep, you get him the ball in the backfield, you get him the ball on tunnel screens, bubble screens, however you can, and he can make big plays happen. You know, he's he's a really effective player as long as you can get him the football. Uh, if if there's going to be a guy and and you know, we may as well pivot to this now, but like, you know, that can break the game for Iowa. For me, it's Amir Smith-Marset and I chose him uh, against the Penn State secondary as my key matchup this week. Of course, you can choose him against the linebackers, beating them to the edge on the jet sweeps. You can, be, you know, choose him against, uh, you know, the the linemen trying to get to him on screen plays, you know, on tunnels when they're trying to get inside or tr- they're trying to get outside and he's trying to get inside. You, you can basically 
level the whole Penn State defense against Amir Smith-Marset. And if Iowa wins that battle and it's Amir Smith-Marset running into the end zone a couple of times, then there's – I don't think this is going to be a close game. Uh, he's he's too good, uh, like I said, as, as a weapon. Uh, he's he's not even necessarily an elite wide receiver. Uh, against Purdue, he had two touches. They were both rushes for a combined 18 yards. Uh, against Northwestern, he had seven catches for 84 yards. And Minnesota, two for 20 on uh, through the air and one for negative six on the ground. But they're going to try to get him the ball. Like, they're going to get him the ball wherever they can. And he's the big play threat. He's the guy that can make you pay at a moment's notice. And Penn State has allowed teams, like you said, to, to make them pay at a moment's notice. Uh, and if that happens on Saturday, it's probably going to be Smith-Marset. It's probably going to be a long day for the Nittany Line defense. Yeah, for my key matchup, and I, I agree with all that, by the way, of course, you know. Um, but, you know, with my key matchup, I chose, uh, you know, either Will Levis, uh, quarterback Will Levis or, or Sean Clifford uh, versus the Hawkeye secondary. You know, we, we saw last game again, you know, uh, Sean Clifford's early interception that led to a field goal. You know, Sean Clifford's fumble obviously led to, to a touchdown on the other end. Those are, you know, that's 10 points off the board. If he hadn't turned the ball over, if Penn State hadn't turned the ball over, where, where Penn State could have came away with a win there. Um, and it's, it's been a, like you, like you mentioned earlier, it's been a, a season long theme. They've given up 33 points total off of, off of their own miscues, off their own turnovers. And, you know, collectively through these four games, four losses, Indiana, uh, Ohio state, Maryland, and Nebraska, they've, they've lost by a you know collective amount of 37. So if you just look at that margin with the turnover, you know, points giving off the turnovers, um, you, you can kind of see, you know, that being a big area where if they clean that up, they'd be competitive in most games. Yeah. And, and uh, you're right. That's going to be big for them. Whoever starts is cannot turn the ball over, cannot throw the ball to Iowa. Uh, especially if the Penn state defense isn't going to be generating turnovers, which it has struggled with at, at points this season. Well, most of the season, quite frankly, the, nice interception last last week against Nebraska, I believe Brandon Smith. Yeah. yeah Brandon Smith had a nice interception there and uh, he, you know, made made a play on the ball that teams that that, that team hasn't made this year, uh, and uh, they'll need they'll need to keep happening. Uh, but but I think you're 100 right. If you know if if Smith Marset is the key to the Iowa offense, uh, whoever starts a quarterback, I think we would both assume Will Levis will be the key to the Penn State offense because if they struggle, whoever it may be, Penn State is going to struggle, uh, and there's kind of no turning back from that point. If they turn the ball over, Penn State's going to struggle, obviously, and they're going to be back in a, a, a huge deficit by halftime. Again, we've seen that um, through these four games pretty consistently. Penn State's been outscored 93-26 to 26 through the first four halves of, of the season. Yeah, and given their, their struggles offensively, they can't afford to get behind, uh, and they really can't afford for those guys who are at fault for them getting behind – uh, you know, being the leaders of the offense as they come back. Like it's, it's, it's a bad situation for Penn state. If they get the turnover, if they start turning the ball over again, uh, it's, it's not an enviable one for the Nittany lines to be in if, if they end up down early. And like I said, if they get down early, it's going to be ball game. I don't think they're going to be able to come back in this one like they were in Nebraska. And even then they couldn't close it out. Uh, speaking of closing it out, we may as well get to our predictions now. Uh, where do you think this one's going to end up Uh you know, when, when the Hawkeyes come to Happy Valley Saturday. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, because every week I think we, or maybe not we, I certainly say, okay, Penn State is going to get Yeah, not all of us said that last week. Not all of us. One of us <laughs> no, nailed it. <laughs> no, no, not all of us, I, I do admit. Um, but, yeah, every week I'm like, okay, this is the week Penn State gets its act together because you see flashes of it towards the end of games. Like last week, prime example, you know, Will Levis checks in early second quarter, they're down 24 to three. 
Levis leads them on a 20 to six run to end the game. They come up short, but they, they pretty much dominated Nebraska in the second half. So it's tough, but I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going away from Penn state this week. I got, <laughs> I got Iowa 34 Penn state 27. Yeah. I think to, I pull away in a close one. I do. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a close game. I think we're going to see a big lead for Iowa early and Penn state maybe climb back a little bit into it. And I'll go with uh, 35 to 21 Iowa. Uh, no, I just, Levis, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I mean, it's not even Levis as much as it is the defense at this point. You know, the, if, if they're going to keep giving up points early and I, and I like, I'm a big Amir Smith Marset guy. I, I think he's really good. Uh, and when he can stay out of trouble, obviously, but you know, he, he has a lot of talent and if they get him the ball, I, I, you know, I said it 40 times, but he's going to score. Um, and I think they'll end up pulling away in this one. And, and quite frankly, if you're going to have Will Levis out there and he's going to be trying to run the ball a lot, Iowa's not a team that I'm trying to run the ball a lot against because uh, they can match the physicality of someone like that. You need more athleticism. Could be a big game for Devin Ford, Kevon Lee, and Keziah Holmes, with that being said. Um, it'll need to be if Penn State wants to win, but, yeah, I, I don't see it. Give me give me Iowa 35-21. to 21. Penn State drops to 0-5 for the first time in program history, which is crazy to say, and – you know, the, I guess I guess the bright side is that Michigan is looming, which we thought was going to be a bad thing, but now seems to be the break that they might need, given how bad the Wolverines have been. Uh, how wacky is this season in the Big Ten? Crazy. Like, Indiana is is tenth. Crazy. Um, Northwestern is undefeated. Indiana too, by the way, super easy team to root for, given like the. I don't know if you saw Tom Allen on Sports Center broke down into tears talking about his sons uh, with a like, brutal injury, like. You know, it's, if, if we're going to have the wackiness, I, I enjoy rooting for a team that you don't see uh, or, or, or like seeing the success, not, not rooting for, but seeing the success of a team that that is uh, not usually up there. You know, if we're going to if it's going to be weird, like let's go all the way weird and have some fun with it, uh, because 2020 has not been a whole lot of fun in general. I think uh, most people would agree. Uh, but but that'll do it for this week's episode of airing it out. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you want to read Parthenize writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. If you have any comments, you can reach Parth at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A at centerdaily.com or me at J-S-A-U-B-E-R at centerdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore for Parth and at J-O-N-S-A-U-B-E-R for me. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.